Good morning, everyone, and welcome to City of Hope Church Sunday Service Online. We're so glad that you could join us this morning. If you've tuned in to the past couple of weeks, we've uh, started a series in the book of Daniel. And we've unpacked the first and second chapter. And this week, we're going to get on, on into the third chapter. So if you have a Bible, if you're going to follow along, we'll be staying right in the third uh, chapter in the book of Daniel. And this sermon is going to be called, When the Heat Turns Up. And that'll make more sense as we go along, if you're, if you're familiar with the book of Daniel, you'll find out and probably know exactly where we're headed. But like I said, this is going to be called When the Heat Turns Up. Now, just for a little background, uh, we, we, we've talked about Daniel and about the spirit of Babylon that's at work because Daniel and his friends have been exiled out of Israel, out of the place of the true worship of God, out of the worship of Yahweh, away from Jerusalem, away from their families. They have become eunuchs. They have become enslaved. And once they've gotten into Babylon as teenagers, as young, young folks in this different land, in this different place, they have sought to educate them, rename them, and ultimately get them to bow down to the gods of Babylon. But Daniel and his friends are continually remaining faithful to God. And in the midst of this spirit of Babylon, they're allowing themselves to be filled with the spirit of God. Now, the reason we're going through the book of Daniel is because I believe that it, it gives us a picture of how we ought to be living in the last days. The book of Revelation talks about throughout the end in referring to things that are going to be going on in the world, especially in the last days, in the end times. It talks about the spirit of Babylon at work. So in other words, it's saying if you want to understand the way that you're going to have to live as a Christian per person in the world that we live in, you've got to understand that the spirit of Babylon is always going to be at work. So it gives you an interpretive key to say you can go back and read the book of Daniel and understand exactly what is going to happen because the Bible is not just about what did happen, but the Bible is about what always happens. And we can find out how to live against a spirit of Babylon that is at work in our world today that is trying to re-educate our children, to lose our godly values and to begin to adopt the philosophies of this world so that we live differently and we conform to this world. But the book of Daniel is really about this one point. It's about how will you worship God when you don't get the life that you want? How are you going to worship God when life doesn't turn out the way that you expected? How are you going to worship God when the world seems to begin to crumble around you? Even if you've done all the right things, even if you've been to church and you've been a praying person all your life, what happens when life doesn't turn out the way that you expected it. Now, here's what I want you to understand is I believe that we're living in very dark times, obviously. We're living in times where people are beginning to move further away from God. We're living in times where there's, where there's great pestilence, where there's division, where there's hatred and animosity, there's political divide, there's turmoil. There's a lot of questions about what's coming up. But we have the honor and the privilege of living in this hour. And we're going to have to learn how to rely on God like never before. But God put, it's something, there's a reason that he's chosen us to be here in this hour on this earth for such a time as this because he has promised us that when darkness covers the earth he will allow his glory and his light to shine upon you and I that's what he did in Daniel's life in Babylon that's what he wants to do in our lives when the Babylonian spirit is at work in our world today so there's a mega theme throughout the Bible and it's essentially this you're going to find it over and over and over again and this is what Satan does and the Babylonian spirit does in the book of Daniel and that is that everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Everything that God creates, Satan 
counterfeits. Satan's a poser ultimately. This dude cannot come up with one original thing, so he copies everything off of God. And he's using two, he's using a lot of different uh, tools right now. He's using fear and manipulation. He's using a lot of fear, a lot of manipulation. But what he is using behind that fear and behind that manipulation are two things. That's deception and counterfeit. Now the definition of deception is concealment or distortion of the truth for the pur purpose of misleading. He is looking in this hour to use fear in order to bring in deception to conceal the truth or to distort the truth in order to mislead you in a direction away from the truth that is found in God and God's Word. But not only that, he, he, he seeks to bring that deception through counterfeits. And a counterfeit is something that is made in imitation so as to be passed off fraudulently or deceptively as genuine. He's trying to say, hey, this is the real thing. This is the same as, as Christianity. This is the same as Jesus Christ. And he's trying to pass these things off as genuine in order to get us to take the bait and fall up under his deception. Now, in Daniel chapter 3, here's how it begins, verses 1 through 3. It says that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. That's about 90 feet high, about 9 feet wide. It's a big Image. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So you've got all these counterfeits. And the first thing that you have is you've got a counterfeit king. Now, King Jesus has a kingdom that he is going to set up and he is going to rule over it both politically and spiritually. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to that day because we have some political leaders that may be better than others but ultimately all of them fall far short of Jesus ruling and reigning not only spiritually but politically over a kingdom. Now in the last chapter that we just read in chapter 2 King Nebuchadnezzar had had a vision and he had a vision of a statue that started out gold in the head that represented him but went to silver, went to bronze, went to iron and then ultimately uh, feet that, that, that were broken down into clay, iron and clay. And what that demonstrated was that was, and, and, and Daniel had given him the interpretation that these are the kingdoms of the world but in the end, Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is going to fall and all these other kingdoms are going to fall and there's going to be one true king, not a counterfeit king king, but one true king to whom every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord and he is going to set up his kingdom on earth and he is going to rule and reign forever as king. But see, he has a counterfeit king. And what King Nebuchadnezzar does is he brings church and state together into one reality so that he can rule not only politically, but he wants to rule spiritually because he wants people to bow down and worship him. People who are tyrannical leaders, they want to eradicate the freedom of religion and then they want to use religion and make it subservient to the state. And ultimately, in all the nations of the world, the spirit of Babylon that is at work wants to eradicate religious freedom so that religion becomes subservient to the state. That is the spirit of Babylon at work. And so we're grateful to live in a country where there's actually uh, the freedom of religious liberty to worship as we so choose uh, under God. Now, 
He seeks to reunite them. And what he does is because there was a dream with all of these different, uh, there there was gold, there was silver. He says, you know what? I'm going to make one image because I'm going to change the direction of history. I don't want my kingdom to come to an end. So I'm going to make one image that I saw and I'm going to make it all gold. And essentially he's saying, I know you gave me the interpretation. And I know, Daniel, that I said your God's the true God, but I still don't like that. I still don't like that interpretation. So I'm going to make one image and I'm going to make that one image that, 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 that comes in and I'm going to make it all gold to represent that I am the king and he is setting up as a counterfeit king, a counterfeit kingdom. And he's bringing this into the place and he is trying to control the future. But there is only one king that can control the future and that is God alone, Jesus Christ. And so he comes into this place and ultimately everyone wants to be a king with a kingdom where they are worshipped. That's, that's ultimately the heart of man that does not know God. And people, who, here's the next point I want you to understand, is that people who don't know God, they wind up worshipping His creation. People who don't know God, they wind up worshipping His creation. And in our world, we give celebrities, we give sports superstars, we give political parties, and sometimes even candidates, our worship and our allegiance. And he's saying, I want everyone to bow down and I want everyone to worship the image of me. But here's the truth. Here's what the Bible teaches is that if you want to worship an image or you want to worship a a person, you need to worship Jesus Christ because he is, according to Colossians 1.15, he is the image of of the invisible God. And see, anytime we view another human being or another man-made entity as in control, we see ourselves as existing to please and appease them. And in a sense, we are offering worship to them. And fear comes in our life. And when, when that happens, we start to enter into a form of worship toward them. So it's interesting to me today also that you see, because everybody's got political opinions, everybody's got agendas, everybody's got all of these ideas and philosophies. And what I'm seeing more and more people do is if they have a political influence or an opinion, they'll just stamp Jesus on it and say, well, Jesus would do this or Jesus would do that. But let me tell you something. You need to be very careful about what you would assume that Jesus would do. I've heard people say, well, Jesus would wear a mask or or Jesus would be at the riots or or G- G- you, you may not know what Jesus would do given a situation. We have the scripture, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the community of faith to discern and interpret the scripture and what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us to say. Ultimately, we worship Jesus and Jesus alone, but people need to be very careful assuming what they think Jesus may or may not do in this hour because I believe most of the people that are saying it are more influenced by political agendas and new cultural opinions than they are are the Word of God. And you have to be influenced in this age, not by Facebook topics or not by some news channel or media that is influencing your mindsets and teaching you a new language like this Babylonian spirit is, but you've got to be educated by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God so that you can live counterculturally. And you don't just assume what Jesus would do, you live out what Jesus would do by the Word of God. Don't just make assumptions about what Jesus may or may not do and try to stamp it on your political agenda. 
agenda or your personal opinion. That's no good. We want to live by the word of God because as soon as we get lost in some cultural sway and just assume because it seems like the good thing and everybody's doing it, that will take us down a road of deception and we may end up in a place that we don't even know how we got there in the end. We're here to pray and to discern and to follow Jesus. And Daniel and his friends, they needed great discernment. In this hour, we need great discernment to separate truth from error because everything is becoming, that's what Babylon is. Babylon is a mix. Satan seeks to mix everything up so that at the end of the day, Scripture and Jesus somehow looks just like everything else. But let me tell you something. Scripture and Jesus are not like everything else. They are holy. That means they are separate from. They are separate from your political party. They are separate from your personal opinion. They are separate from the news channel that you are wa watching. They are separate from what your doctor says. All of those things are separate because they are holy and they they have a different viewpoint and they are not led by the spirit of this world. So we want to pray God help us to discern between truth and error and not be swayed because it's trying to bring us into a counterfeit worship. It, it, the, the world wants us to enter into a counterfeit worship. Daniel 3 verse 4 through 7 says, Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music. Basically, when we play this music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So what they have is they have a counterfeit worship service. They got a counterfeit preacher, a counterfeit herald that preaches out and cries out and commands, hey, when the music plays, y'all, you better bow down and worship. Now you got to think about this for a minute. Because they, they are demanding something. Can you, can you imagine entering into a worship service? Let's say you enter into a worship service here at City of Hope Church one Sunday morning. And I say, hey boys, you know what? If you don't bow down and worship right now, whenever we start playing this worship music, we're going to cast you into this fiery furnace over here. Well, you know what? That would probably get the dudes that sit on their phones in the foyer in here worshiping and bowing down. Because there's pressure there. There's fear there. And they, and they set this up, this counterfeit worship team, to lead them in counterfeit worship to a counterfeit counterfeit God into a counterfeit king and ultimately he, he, he's trying to be a counterfeit Jesus because the Bible says that all people of all tribes nations and languages would gather together in the end around Jesus you know one thing that lets me know in our culture is that there is no place absolutely no place for racism in true worship of God matter of fact when you are worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth, there's actually a desire for diversity. There's a desire to be with all peoples of the world, whether they're Asian or African or American or whatever they are. You want all people to come together in unison in the worship of God. That is what we desire when the spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And one day we will be around, not a counterfeit throne, but the real throne, worshiping Jesus together as one. And we are supposed to live that way now to demonstrate that to the world that there is one real king, and with that one real king, there is true worship. But see, they also have a counterfeit evangelism. They don't just, they don't just propose to you to worship. Usually when we say, hey, if you would, 
lift your hands. Now, if you don't lift your hands, there's no ultimate consequences except what you're going to have to experience between you and God. That's, that, that's between you and God. But we don't enforce that, nor does God enforce it. God compels no one to worship Him. He proposes it to them as an invitation the same way that a man would to a woman to marry Him. It's an invitation. I'm offering you this love gift. Would you come in and worship me? Because ultimately it's going to be the best experience that you could ever have for your life. But see, they don't just propose, they impose it. They say you're going to convert or you're going to die. Now this is what some false religions would try to impose. And even throughout history, maybe people will say, well, Christian, Christian, Christians have done that before. But not any true Christians have ever done that. That's not our mentality. This is a counterfeit evangelism and Satan's way is outward force through fear. So essentially they got, a, they got the demonic equivalent of a Billy Graham rally where they got music playing, they got a herald crying out saying when the music plays bow down and worship, they give an altar call except if you don't profess Nebuchadnezzar as king and lord at the end of it, you get thrown into a fiery furnace. Everybody needs to publicly declare. Now let me tell you this, this point here. You have a choice to make regarding who your God is and who you will worship. Everybody has that choice. And ultimately, at the end of the day, some people say, well, I just don't, I don't worship anything. Let me say something. Even atheists worship. Everybody worships. Everybody gives their allegiance, their time, their energy, their strength, their passion, their love to someone or something, whether it even be yourself. But everybody worships. And at the end of the day, you've got a choice to make regarding who you will worship. And right now we're living in a world, I'm telling you folks, where there is so such a, Babylon means mixture. It means confusion. And there is such a mix. You can go down here to the local prison. And right now there are, I think, 17 different religions that, that, that have to be accommodated for in that place. 17 different ways to worship. And there's really, at the end of the day, we believe as Christians that there's only one way that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He came, that He died for my sins and for your sins, that He is actually God in the flesh, and there's only one way to the true God, and that is through Jesus Christ and through faith in Him. Every other religion is a counterfeit and is ultimately demonic in nature. Now, our world system today says, well, that's, 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 that's bigotry, Clay. You can't say that. You're too narrow-minded. You're too shallow. But no, Jesus has taught that He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And ultimately, that is the most loving thing that He can tell you if it is the truth. Now, our world says, no, but truth is relative. You can live your own truth. But ultimately, what that is doing is people love darkness rather than light. And so they're choosing their own truth over the truth and ultimately to justify their actions. But Jesus says, no, I love you. I died on the cross for you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And every other religion, every other philosophy of this world is ultimately a counterfeit to distract you from the worship of the one true God. And now is the hour. Now is the time to turn for the truth. And as Christians, what we should pray is, God, let your truth prevail. Let hearts be open. Let minds be open. Let many come to the acknowledgement of the truth and let them turn from their sins and let them experience the salvation that is in Jesus Christ alone. But see, not only do they have counterfeit worship, a counterfeit preacher and, and counterfeit evangelism, they got a counterfeit hell. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 through 15, it says, Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. And they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree 
that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now notice this. They say, but they're certain Jews. They're anti-Semitic. He says, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up in Nebuchadnezzar and was in rage and fury and gave the command to bring them to him. They brought him before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And notice what he says. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now this is the voice of our generation. There is an increasing pressure of the world system that is coming, on, coming upon us through a variety of means trying to get us to trust in something other than God for our health, for our protection, for our finances. Whatever it may be, there is an increasing pressure that is turning up and ultimately behind that there is a voice that is saying, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Why? Because it's ultimately about your trust and trust is about worship. Who are you going to rely upon when everything begins to crumble and things begin to break down. Now this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? We, we, we know it throughout history in Nazi Germany that they were anti-Semitic, that they came against specifically the Jews and that they legitimately put them in concentration camps and put them into fiery furnaces. This has happened before in history. Some people will say, well, Clay, you're just a little bit overboard. I mean, things like this won't happen in our, in our world and in our nations and stuff like that. No, they've already happened. The Bible is not just about what happened. The Bible is about what always happens, what was, what is, and what is to come. And, and, and this is not to, to, to frighten you, but this is to say, this is the world we live in, folks. This, this, there, there, there's a war that is, that is raging for our souls. And ultimately, it's a war between good and evil, between light and darkness. And Daniel is demonstrating to us how we live in the midst of a dark society that is being influenced by the powers of darkness. So he picks a fight, Nebuchadnezzar picks a fight with the God that just revealed to him his future and says, who will deliver you from my hands? Now, one of the questions is, is where is Daniel in all this? You just got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, some scholars will say, well, maybe Nebuchadnezzar knew that Daniel wouldn't bow down and he loved him so much, him being his right-hand man, that he just sort of hit him somewhere or sent him out on business or something like that. Other scholars will say, well, he's a representation of, uh, of the rapture, of the fact that he's out of the way whenever the tribulation and the fire comes. Now, I don't know that I believe that. And whether you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture, the point is, is that you need to be ready for what is coming upon the earth because Jesus and the apostles throughout Scripture warn us to be prepared, to be ready, to be in prayer for the coming of the Lord and the return because nobody knows the hour at which He will return, but we are eagerly awaiting His return. So the test of good leadership, when Daniel is gone, we don't know why he's gone, but he's not there for some reason. And the test of good leadership is what the followers do when their leader is gone. Daniel's gone 
But yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are demonstrating still good character. Now, this is a great parenting lesson because I've been talking about the fact that, listen, right now our culture through entertainment, through music, through media, and ultimately through our educational systems, especially our universities, are trying to train our children in Babylonian mindsets that are anti-God ultimately to try to get them to bow down to something other than the one true God. And so if we're raising our kids to live in Babylon, the question is, what will they do when we're not present? We've got to raise our kids to worship God, to understand the philosophies and the demonic lies and the deception of this world, that they don't believe the way this world does about sexuality, that they don't believe the way that this world does about marriage, that they don't believe the way that this world does about education, that they don't believe the way that this world does about worship, about how anything goes, all things go, whatever you feel, go for it. That is a doctrine of the evil one, and it's not rooted in the truth of God's word. And so they bring three accusations against them. They say, look, he's disrespected you, king. These guys have disrespected you. They've rejected the gods of Babylon, and they will not bow. They're out here in public protest standing and saying, we ain't going to bow down to that. Now, culture is always one of two things. It's what you teach, and it's what you tolerate. But if you have a rule, for example, that, hey, you ain't allowed to hit mom, son, but yet you allow one kid to hit, hit, hit their mom, Well, see, you've tolerated that. So you may be teaching one thing, but you're tolerating another. And ultimately what you tolerate will shape the culture of your home. And it's the same way that's going on here. It doesn't matter what you teach. It's ultimately what you tolerate. And there are certain things that we cannot tolerate in our lives as Christians. We have to say no to those things. And see, all leadership will either rule with fear and control or they will rule with love and mercy. And God is a ruler, a king, who rules with love and mercy, without coercion, with a loving invitation to say, this is the truth. I've died for your sins. I want you to come to me. I want you to live for me in the midst of a dark world. And so here's the thing. Without the teaching of the Bible, we no longer treat people as human. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did. He was so willing to kill anybody at the drop of the hat just as long as they didn't do what he wanted them to do. And ultimately, you sense this pressure coming into our world. When people don't do what, 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 what they're wanting you to do, there's an anger, there's an outrage. We even have something in our world called cancel culture now. That if you ultimately don't bow down and say what the culture says you ought to say, well, they just cancel you. You're, you're no longer significant. They put you out of the picture. And see, this is going to intensify as we move deeper into the future and we move further along. But see, the Bible is what is true. And that's that's an unpopular thing to say today. But we have to have a foundation on which we believe things and from which we get truth. Now, some people say, well, Jesus is the truth, but the Bible is not. See, that doesn't work because Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. He said that not one jot or tittle shall pass away from all of the law, from all of scripture, Scripture until all things are fulfilled. So he believed himself that the Bible was true. And See, we're not just good people getting better. We are people that need an absolute heart change. We need a new nature. Now, the good news is, is that in the midst of all this counterfeit, there were still real worshipers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were real worshipers. But the spirit of Babylon was turning the heat up, trying to pressure them to conform. Now, if you'll be honest in your life right now, there have been moments 
where you've sensed the heat turning up and in a lot of things in our lives right now, the heat is turning up in our lives and it begins to try to pressure you to back down, to not say certain things, to not do certain things, to, to, to maybe begin to fear, to maybe begin to question God, begin to doubt where God's at, if He's going to protect you, if He's got your back and there's just this slow doubt that's creeping in and because the pressure was turned up, when Nebuchadnezzar turned the heat up and estimated 300,000 people bowed down in an instant according to scholars. Now you had people who had once worshipped the one true God, 300,000, a sea of people from all nations, tribes, songs and languages, many of them were once worshippers of the one true God and in an instant 300,000 bowed down because they began to play the music and because of fear and because of control and because of the spirit of Babylon, they bowed down. But see there were three believers who said I'm not bowing down to that. Now that takes a lot of courage. But ultimately, you're either going to bow to the real King Jesus, and if you don't, you'll bow to another king. And that's what's going on in our world today. Because we did not receive the truth, the Scripture says, because we did not love the truth that was found in Jesus Christ, strong delusion and deception will come upon us. That's the reality. You have an opportunity now to receive the truth, to root yourself in God's Word, and to love the truth. But the Scripture says that because of the deception that's coming upon the world, World, that if you do not love the truth, that strong delusion will begin to sway you. So it's time to root yourself in that truth now. But see, you got to understand that sometimes to be godly and to choose the truth is to be lonely. These men were alone. They didn't have anybody else with them. And sometimes you have to be willing to lose some things. You may have to be willing to lose some relationships in order to truly worship God. And here's the other thing. When you respond to this spirit of Babylon, when you respond to this spirit of fear, always respond with humility, respect, and with courage and with the fruit of the Spirit. What I see right now is in our world, even though we're not even close to the same thing. I know a lot of people think, well, we're, we're right there, folks. We're right there. No, we, we are in some precursors to this kind of reality right now in our world, but it's not quite here. And a lot of things people are saying was, well, look at, yeah, you, you, you see a little bit of some precursors coming in. But what I see is that Christians are not responding a lot of times with the fruit of, the fruit of the Spirit. They're responding with anger, with outrage, with dishonor, with, with, with criticism, with hateful attitudes. And Daniel and his, and his friends always responded with humility, with respect, and with honor. Matter of fact, they loved the people of Babylon. They loved King Nebuchadnezzar. And ultimately they honored them until the end. But there were some moments when they just said, hey, we're not going that far. We're not going to do that. But see, there's a hotter fire. They had this fire that they were going to turn up. But there's a real king, King Jesus. And he said this. Now, some people have this idea of Jesus that he's just so soft and so gentle. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the most loving, compassionate being that has ever walked on the face of the planet. But he never steered away from truth. And sometimes the most loving thing to do is to speak the truth into people's lives, even when it seems harsh. Luke 12, verse 4 through 5 says, And I say to you, my friends, notice Jesus is saying this not to the Pharisees, not to the hypocrites. He's saying this to his friends. He says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. He's saying, look, there's going to be government officials. There's going to be people that will come and they will threaten you with death. They will threaten to take your life. But he's saying, don't fear those. He said, because you're more than just your body. You're more than just your physical health. And he says, don't fear somebody that can just affect your body 
Fear him that can ultimately affect your body and your soul and your spirit because you are an eternal being. And the scripture actually says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and because we did not love our own lives unto death. That we're, look, we don't want to die. We want to live. We want to see life flourish. We want to enjoy life. We want all those things. And that's a good thing because God is a good God and he wants us to enjoy life. But like I said, we're living in a world where forces of darkness are at work trying to destroy the world. And guess what? The majority of the world have been swayed under that wicked one. And that's why we see the consequences and the world crumbling like we see it because people are refusing to turn to God. Right now, we're dealing with, we're dealing with situations where there's pestilence, where there's, where there's sickness and disease, where there's hatred and animosity. And the Bible teaches a very clear lesson that if people will repent and turn to God, He'll heal the land. But what I hear is people not repenting, not turning, but people continuing to press forward. And even preachers just trying to simply give an encouraging word. But let me tell you something. Healing does not come until there's repentance, until there's change, until there's a breaking point that you say, you know what, Lord, I'm no longer going to live in my wicked ways. I'm going to turn and I'm going to seek your face and I'm going to give you my life. But Jesus is saying, look, these counterfeit kings that can only take your body, he says, he says what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Just because the world will give you a pat on the back who cares what anybody else thinks? I want the fear of the Lord in my heart. And that doesn't mean I'm afraid of God. It means I reverence Him above every other thing in my life because I know He's in full control. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they were fearless in the face of persecution because they maintained a healthy fear of God. Now in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 through 23, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, I love this. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his armies to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then those men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fire. Furnace. Now notice, this is the heart of the true believer. They're saying God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're going to worship him. God can heal me of my cancer, but even if he doesn't, you know what? I'm still going to worship him. God can change my marriage and heal my marriage, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship God. He can bring my lost child home, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship him. God can improve my financial situation, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship him. The thing that you've got to understand is that our God can do anything. Our God wants to heal, he wants to deliver, and he wants to save, but we cannot make our God do anything because he is sovereign Lord over all and ultimately it's not about us to make him do anything we pray and we believe for miraculous situations but at the end of the day we're like Shadrach, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God can do anything He wants to. He can deliver us, but even if He doesn't, that don't mean I'm going to stop worshiping Him and worship these other gods. But right now I see more and more people every day that because they go through pain, because they go through suffering, because they go through trials, they reject God because here in America we have somehow believed in this lie that bad things should not happen and we should never deal with any difficulty and it makes us question whether there's a God at all. Let me tell you something. God created a world in which men and women had free choice and there was evil at work in the world. Now we don't understand why all these things happen, but we understand that free choice makes a lot of possibilities possible. And we see evil in the world, but ultimately Jesus has come to destroy that evil, to destroy the works of the devil, to bring healing, and He will return and you will have no more pain. You will have no more suffering. But in this life there will be good, there will be tribulation, but Jesus has promised you be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And if you will stick with Jesus, you will overcome this world. You and I will overcome. We will stand strong. We will know our God and we will come out like pure gold because of what we've went through. But see, everything in this is about worship. They turned it up seven times hotter because the enemy believes if he turns up the heat, you're going to no longer worship God. That's what he did with Job. He said, God, you see Job, he worshiping you now. But if I turn up the heat on him, he will curse you to your face. That's the testing that every single one of us are in. When the heat turns up, who are you going to worship? When the heat turns up, who are you going to bow down to? When the heat turns up, who are you ultimately going to trust? Now notice, he didn't even deliver them from the fiery furnace, he delivered them through the fiery furnace. In Exodus chapter 20, it's always been about worship because God gave 10 commandments and he said, look, you, you, you shall worship me and me alone. You shall not make any carved image. You should put no other image before me. And he's saying, if you will do these first two commandments, you will by nature fulfill the other eight. If you worship God and not money, you're not going to covet or steal. If you worship God and not sex, you're not going to commit adultery. If you worship God and not your reputation, you're not going to bear false witness and lie. It's all about worship. It's always been an issue of worship. But see, we don't worship God to get the results we want, but to find His will. Sometimes you're going to worship God and you're not going to get the results you want. You're going to have some difficulties. I've heard people say this. I've heard people say, well, you know what, Clay? I tried Jesus and it just didn't work out. What do you mean it didn't work out? What you're saying is you tried Jesus, but he didn't give you what you wanted. So you said, well, that didn't work. This is, that's, that's not how Jesus works. His life is in our hands. It's not our will, but his will be done. And ultimately, he's going to work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But see, we don't want to choose suffering. We're just choosing God's will. Nobody wants to suffer. And I would, if you have an option to get out of suffering, chase it. Pray for healing. Pray for deliverance. Pray for freedom because by nature, that's who God is. But we live in a broken world in which God is weaving things for His ultimate purposes. And sometimes in this life, we're going to have to face difficult times. And sometimes in order to perform God's will, we're going to have to experience some suffering. But notice this, if your goal is comfort and ease, eventually you may deny your God. Because at some point, your walk with the Lord is going to cause you to choose between comfort and between Christ. That's where we're headed. And at the end of the day... You cannot bow down for comfort and ease. You can get government jobs, you can have the good life, and everything can be peaceable, but you will lose your relationship with God if you're choosing those things over Him. So our goal is to be faithful to Jesus. But see, comfort and death are not even our main concern. 
for these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that fiery furnace is the closest to hell they're ever going to be. But for Nebuchadnezzar, it's the closest to heaven that he's ever going to be. It's an issue of perspective. It's an issue of how you see things according to the Word of God. Now, God will either deliver them through, from death or He will deliver them through death. But what you've got to understand is a lot of Christian theology is escapism. That if you worship, if you do the right thing, God will get you out of it. But I'm here to tell you that a lot of times, God won't just get you out of it, He will get you through it. This whole coronavirus situation and the situations to come behind it, it's not that God is going to just pull us out of it and get us out of it, but He is going to get us through it because that's who He is. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He is with us in it. And that's how He showed up because they were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace and the only thing that burned up was the ropes of Babylon. Everything else, the, the unbelievers burnt up, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not burn up. Their clothes did not burn up. They were, they were not singed. And the smell of smoke was not even on them. I don't know about you, but I've been around some outdoor fires in the evening. I wake up the next morning, I still smell like smoke. I, got, I smell like all that around me. But they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. The only thing that burned up was the ropes of Babylon. And here's what it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 through 30. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished... And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And they came from the midst of the fire. And all of the administrators and governors and all the counselors, they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies and that, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Notice that. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made in ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. See, he saw four in the fire. Jesus gets into things that nobody else wants to get into and he stands with people that nobody else wants to stand with. Jesus shows up in the midst of the fire. Sometimes it actually takes you going through the fiery trial of your life before you even see Jesus show up. But the key is, will you have that kind of faith that even though it is sitting there right in front of you and even while you're being cast into it, when the heat turns up, are you willing to say, I'm going to trust in Jesus? Because if you are, He has promised you that He will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be with you in that fiery furnace. And Jesus shows up though and Nebuchadnezzar still does not convert. He wants to play both sides all the time. And a lot of people want to play both sides right now. They want to be safe. So we'll play a little bit of Jesus, but not all of Jesus. But God is saying, no, you need to play all of it. You need to put all your cards into this one right here. This is where you need to stick. And he says, blessed be the God of the servants of the Most High God, he says. He says, there's no God that can deliver like this. And one of the things I want you to notice about them, we said this last week, 
But you've got to love and serve your nation and be a good witness to the love of God. And this last point, be a good citizen up until the point that you cannot be a good Christian. These men love Babylon. These men love, not, not, as, not as a principle, but the people there. And they love Nebuchadnezzar. And they were going to be good citizens up until the point they could no longer be good Christians. And they had the promise in Isaiah 40, 43, When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. They, they quenched the power of fire through faith in God. And see, your faith is going to be tested. Peter says that your faith is more precious than gold, and it is going to be tested as by fire. We're going to experience a testing in your life. And it may be, it may be, it may be this testing may be financial. This testing may be marital. This testing may be spiritual. But everybody is going to have a furnace where we feel the heat. And so here's the last point that I want to give you. And that's that the same fire that the enemy uses to consume you, God will use to purify you. The same fire that the enemy uses to consume you, God will use in your life to purify you and He will be with you. He will stand with you in your fiery furnace and He will purify your faith. Let me read you this last, these last verses in Matthew 13, verse 41 through 43 because Jesus actually quoted the book of Daniel. And He talks about the end. And He says, Then the Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now see, I've read some things that Jesus said that almost seem difficult, but man, in our, in the, and in our generation, we have to hear these words. He who has ears, let him hear what's going on. We're coming to an end. There is a blazing furnace. They had a counterfeit blazing furnace, but there is a blazing furnace, so to speak. He's saying, look, if you choose, don't bow down to this world system. Don't bow down to Babylon. Jesus was in the fire with them in the midst of it and He'll be with you in the fire in the midst of this situation. That's what we need as a church right now. We're going through a fire. We're going through a season where we got questions, we got doubts. It's hard to make good decisions. I told somebody the other day, it's like no matter what decision I make, ultimately it's not a good decision. It seems so difficult. And, and that's where we're at. But guess what? Jesus is with me right now in the fire. And He's going to use it to purify me. And He's going to fill me with His Spirit. And He's going to give me wisdom in moving forward. But see, Jesus doesn't, didn't just stand with us in our fire. He actually went to the cross. And He didn't just stand with us, but He stood in our place. And that's what you need to know. And that's what you need to be telling people. That this is the hour that people got to hear the truth. That guess what? You are a sinner and you need salvation. You need salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross as a substitution for your sin. We deserved the fiery furnace, but He said, no, I don't want you to take that. I love you so much, I want to set you free from that. And if you're willing to turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ and His sacrifice, He will save you. And so right now, that's what I'm inviting you to do. Jesus doesn't force anybody. He doesn't say, bow down. But He does say, I'm inviting you to receive me, to receive this gift of eternal life. And that's what it is. It's a gift. It's a gift that comes to you by grace. doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've believed. Every one of us have been influenced by the spirit of Babylon and done ungodly things and thought ungodly thoughts. But Jesus loved us so much. He said, look, you can turn and accept my sacrifice and I will give you eternal life. So that's what I want to pray for us right now. Right where you're at, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless 
each person that's listening. And God, we need supernatural strength. I know that to a large degree, this is a difficult word because a lot, a lot of us, we would just rather push off this reality that we are in a world that is in the middle of spiritual warfare and that there is deception, Lord, and that there is all of these things that are warring against us to try to get us away from the worship of you, Lord Jesus. But I pray that you would open hearts, that you would open minds, and for Christians that are weak right now, that you would give them resolve. Because in the midst of the fire, Lord Jesus, you're going to be with us, and you're going to give us a peace that passes all understanding, and a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, even when we face difficult and challenging times. And for the person right now, Lord God, I pray that together right now we could just say, Lord, forgive us of our sins. We confess that we're a sinner, Lord, and we need your blood, Lord Jesus, to wash us and cleanse us. And, and, and Father, to give us this eternal life, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us a new heart. Give us a new mind. Set us free from the spirit of this world, Lord, and help us to begin to think according to your will and according to your world in the midst of darkness. Lord, soften hearts for people who believe uh, the, the opposite truths to this, God, that are contrary to your word. And in your grace, give everyone repentance and new life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.